0: This week at the Habs Forum, we have some hockey games to talk about. I mean, it's just a rookie camp, but still uh, some actual hockey highlights and players to talk about. So we know who made it from the rookie camp to the main camp. Main camp's about to start. I mean, all the players are in today to take some uh, some of those promo pictures that we're going to see throughout the year. So it really feels like hockey is finally back. Lots about to talk about there. Uh, the, the one... Unvaccinated Habs player has finally decided to get vaccinated, so that's obviously uh, good news. Aside from that, uh, we got some uh, sneak peeks and who might be uh, assistant captains this year. We got the Jonathan Duchesne giving an interview, talking to the media for the first time since he left uh, the team for for personal reasons. And some Twitter questions, as always, at the Habs forum. Ask us your questions. We love going through them. So I mean, let's get let's get right to, right to it with the rookie camp. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's it's just it felt so good just to be able to watch some actual actual hockey. I mean, because there's there's the red versus white, but then they actually played against like the hot Ottawa guys too and
1: all that. So it was uh, it was good to see some highlight real goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was great to see some Habs hockey finally. Even though I don't think it's really been that long, it feels like forever since we've seen the Habs play. I mean, it's the shortest off season in our, our lifetime for sure. Oh yeah, for sure for sure i mean it's only been like two and a half months maybe yeah, so i if, mean if that, yeah. it's, it's uh, that yeah. So right? yeah well yeah no exactly and uh yeah i mean you know even if it was the young guys it was great to see some of the young guys obviously we got to see our first look of matthias norlander in in the in a Habs jersey you know some of the prospects that we drafted this year too so you know it wasn't uh they didn't it wasn't great the results at least not the two games against the senators but uh, uh you know they they won one game at least a third game and and we got camp starting tomorrow so it's exciting it doesn't really matter whether or not they
0: they win i hadn't even noticed whether or not they won those games honestly i was just it, it, like who cares they don't mean anything so i mean let, let's just go over first the players who have made so the, these players were in the rookie camp and they they got the infin- invitation to make it to the official camp. A lot of the names you'd expect, but some names that I'm sure for some of our listeners not as familiar with. So you got Tori Dello, Cédric Ruisseau, Justin Duchamme, Gianni Fairbrother, Alexis Gravel, Caden Gooley, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, Cam Hillis, Jan Maisak, Matthias uh, Norlander or Matthias Norlander, Matthias Norlander probably, yeah. uh, Joshua Roy, Xavier Simonot, Danil Sobolev, now the hard names start. Joe Verbetic. Verbetic. Now this one, I mean, it's Arbor. I'll just spell it out because neither of us know how to say his uh, name so far. I,
1: yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it's Arbor Shay Sure. I'm, so it's I'm definitely not sure about
0: that. K-A-J. So Shaykash could could be it. And Jesse uh Ilonen, who we'll talk more about him <laughs> shortly. Uh, so so first of all, Dustin, tell me. On this list, there's some players like everyone expects to be at the camp, right? Like Caden Gooley is going to be at the camp no matter what. Norlander was going to be at the camp no matter what. There's there's some names there that a lot of people recognize, but other names that might be kind of unfamiliar. Is there any surprises out of this list that made it
1: from the rookie camp to the main camp? I mean, some of them made made the you know, the jump to the main camp just because they're gonna be playing with the Laval Rockets sure. or, you know, potentially the Lions this year. Um, so, I mean, there wasn't necessarily any huge surprises. I mean, maybe Joe Verbedek, the goaltender, he was seventh rounder this year. I think probably they just needed to have a certain amount of goaltenders, sure. which is probably why he made it. Um, you know, I thought he was going to, I was hoping to see a lot from him, but I, I didn't find him all that great um, in the rookie camp. So I, th- I think he was a bit of a surprise, at least for me. Um, the other goaltender, Alexi Gravel, he wasn't much better, but, you know, I think they're probably expecting him to be the goaltender, for, uh, or maybe the backup goaltender for the Lions. Um, but I think the big sort of surprise is definitely Joshua Guh, who was a fifth-round pick this year. You know, he, he was he he slipped a lot in the draft this year because you know he had some some attitude issues. He was originally with um, uh, with Saint John, and then he ended up getting traded halfway through the season to Sherbrooke seemed to have a bit of a turnaround in his attitude and definitely in his production Um, and you know we were hope he's he's a guy with with loads and loads of potential he was the first overall pick in the queue uh back in i think 2018 Uh, so a guy that has a lot a lot of potential but a guy that you know he had a had a bit of a reputation for not really working too too hard but i mean that's the exact opposite of what we saw from him in in the rookie camp i mean he was the hardest working player out there. I think he was probably the best player for the Canadians, um, you know, throughout the camps. I mean, he was, he was fantastic. Um, Same thing with Xavier Simoneau. He was a sixth round pick uh, this year as well. He's an overager. He's probably going to go back to the queue, but he had those two guys. I think they were probably the best players in camp. I mean, they, Joshua, why I think he had two, he had two goals. Xavier Simoneau was on, I mean, he was, he played great offensively. I mean, he set up a couple of goals uh, so he was—he was definitely, maybe, Cimino probably not a huge surprise. You know, I think they—they they sort of want to do, they see him as sort of a uh, Rafael, Hervé, Pinhas, mm-hmm. in in that kind of mold. Um, you know, the same kind of player. But uh, Joshua Wan was definitely a huge surprise, and uh, and that and the other guy, well, the guy whose name we can't really pronounce, Arbor, Shekaj, I think uh, is how you pronounce and He was a tryout and he did it. he was fantastic at camp as well he threw the body around he was a physical presence and i think he probably ended up earning himself a contract with uh you know either the rocket or the lions so yeah. I, I mean, a couple of surprises. Uh, I think, you know, you would have liked to have seen Riley Kidney, who was a second round pick this year, and, and maybe even William Trudeau, who definitely had some flashes. He was a fourth round pick this year. So a little disappointed to not see them, but, you know, they'll be back in the queue and, and, you know, they're, they're definitely going to be big pieces of, of their own teams and hopefully come back even better next year. Yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, like, like we all know that the, the rookie uh, camp
0: doesn't always mean uh, everything, and and the talking about who scored and didn't score, I don't think really matters. I don't think if anyone has ever analyzed the correlation between scoring a lot of goals in, in a rookie camp and the rookie tournament and then making it big in the NHL. But what you want to hear is that the effort level is, is there. So so hearing that type of stuff from from guys like jo- jo- Joshua Hua and like Xavier Simonot, like you, uh, you were just talking about, I mean, that that's what you want to see. You want to see those, the, the fringe guys that are in no way guaranteed to make uh, the NHL or even the AHL, the ones you want to make it are really the ones that are showing they're willing to put in the work and if you're telling me that this guy Joshua well, used to have all the upside in the world, maybe he just had some maturing to do, and maybe he's finally turning a new leaf. I mean, that's that's exactly what you want to hear. So, I mean, that, that that's the good stuff there. And but now we, we get to see what, how it is with with the big boys, right? Because you can look great at the at the rookie camp and uh, kind of look quickly out of place at uh, at the at the main camp. Uh, I'm really, I mean, obviously, I mean. Just like every other Habs fan, the, the name I think we're most excited to see at the main camp is uh, Norlander. Now Norlander did get a goal, but he did seem a little defensively at times, a little lost out there at first. I mean, first game ever really on North American ice, if I'm not mistaken, uh, since he's coming in from uh, from Europe. Do you think he adapts quickly, or or do you think uh, Habs fans need to come, maybe temper expectations and and he's maybe a year or even two away from making the team?
1: Yeah, I definitely think he was a little disappointing. I mean, a- again, you know, it's it, you have to take it with a grain of salt. These kind of games, um, you know, he showed some some things offensively, but but definitely looked a little lost at times defensively. Um, so, you know, it, and and I think I said it in the last podcast, or we said it on the last podcast, after what happened with Kucki I think they they probably aren't going to rush yeah. another guy like Norlander um, so fast. You know, I I think the best thing to do at this point, I mean, obviously he's going to play in camp unless like he really sets the preseason on fire. I'm sure he's going to go back to the to the Swedish Elite League um, in Ferlinda and he's going to be an important part of that team. So I definitely think 100 percent that's that's the best thing for him. And next year. You know, we'll see him again at camp next year. But uh, probably wouldn't even be the worst thing to to maybe spend a year in Laval after that. Uh, so no, definitely no point in rushing him. And and he definitely didn't give the Habs any reason to rush him either.
0: I mean, I understand your point. Like we talked about it last week, like you said with with Kotkaniemi. I do think it's a bit of a different situation. Like a Norlander still has played some games since being drafted, right? Like drafted, right? Like he it's not like we're we're, we're rushing him straight from the. Uh, from the draft, but defensemen often take more time to, uh, to, to develop, but I mean, he is going to get every opportunity. uh, I think in, in camp, I could see him being one, definitely being one of the later scratches. Uh, I mean, I'm not too worried about him being disappointed uh, in the rookie camp because he's only disappointing in the sense that we have pretty high expectations for him. I'm kind of excited to see, like I hope he stays and does most of the camp. Maybe ends up being one of the last scratches. And I'm excited to see him progress throughout the camp. Right, I want to see him improve every single day. And 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 that's the the main but the main hope here. I mean, obviously, it'd be amazing if he gives the team no choice but to give him a spot. But like honestly, what's probably the most realistic best case scenario is that it's just he has a really really solid camp and he takes what he learns here, brings it back home, and then. Can maybe not dominate, but really have a really, really, really strong season uh, back home. So, so oh,
1: then, uh, yeah, No, absolutely. It, you know, it's it, it'll be great for him just to get sort of, uh, you know, his first taste of the NHL, even if it is maybe the preseason. Um, you know, he'll be able to rub elbows with, uh, you know, some of the veteran players on the team, hopefully learn a couple of things, uh, you know, find out what he has to work on when he goes back to Finland. And again, he's, you know, uh, I mean, the Swedish Elite League, maybe the, the four, third or fourth best league probably in the world. So still a very, there's going to be really good competition. And again, he's probably going to be one of the the top defensemen for them. So, you know, he's going to be able to play in all kinds of situations. And and I really think that's better than, you know, yeah. we saw Romanov play last year where he was scratched a lot of the time. Sure. He wasn't playing top minutes. I'd rather him go back there and, uh, you know, instead of playing maybe half the games and, you know, being a healthy scratch on a regular basis. So it, it just makes a lot of sense, I think, to send him back. And I think the Romanov
0: point also is is probably going to play into the decision because I think they they still I don't I don't think this organization would want to have two players in their top six being as young as as Romanov and Norlander at the same time right like like if if Romanov had not that I think he had a bad year but there's still some growing to do there but if like if Romanov had had a monster year and he was already kind of feeling like a like almost like a veteran veteran presence out there, and he had the full confidence of the coaches. Maybe there'd be a bit more of a discussion to bring in Norlander as, as the next young guy, but I think they still view Romanov as a, the young defenseman on on the blue line and you don't necessarily want to have two of those guys like like Romanov you can easily shelter him potentially pay him with with a new acquisition and Savard and all that it's a bit more difficult to do that if then you have Norlander because then Norlander is the one that you need to shelter and then Romanov automatically gets put into these situations where he's a bit more you know like not in situations that you want him to be like I, I have a lot of hope for Romanov for him to have a bit of an explosion this year but you don't want to put it in this situation where it's forced at the beginning right so it, it, at the end of the day for from top to bottom it probably makes more sense and it's not like there's that much space on the depth chart either i mean there's still kulak there there's weidman that they signed uh, in uh, in the off season so i uh, it's unfortunate that he has to go in a sense i think that he has to go back to to europe because i think it's a situation that if he was going to laval maybe midway through the year if there's injuries and all that he gets a few call-ups I mean I I wouldn't hate that idea but that's obviously not what's going to happen here because uh, he's going to go back and play in Europe. Uh, the, the problem here is is that there's just not a lot of uh, not a lot of depth on defense when you when you look at Laval. I mean there was a a, a signature recently. What what was his name? Again? I forgot to put it in my notes. Like Gol- <laughs> Cody Golubev.
1: Cody Golobev. Yeah. So like Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean uh, yeah, Golubev, you know, he could be uh I mean Obviously, they brought him in because, you know, basically at the same time, we got news that yeah. Josh Brooke is going to be out for a little while. Um, you know, not that I think Josh Brooke is ready to step in to play with the Canadians either. But, uh, you know, he's he's obviously a pretty big defenseman for the Laval Rocket and yeah. and, you know, would be you would think a call up if they needed a right handed defenseman. So, you know, at this point, si- signing Gulabev is uh, or well, not signing him, but signing him to a PTO at least makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, is he going to play with the Canadians? I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, he's played. You know, he spent basically all of last season uh, in Belleville uh, with the Belleville Senators, obviously Ottawa's uh, minor league team. So, you know, is he really going to be playing with the Canadians if he couldn't make the Ottawa Senators? Last no, exactly. year? Probably not. Um, I mean, I definitely think you know Chris Weidman is a uh, is is a better option. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you know, and, you know, he, and he offers offense, you know, I, I mean, Golabev's not, not really going to do anything offensively. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a good depth signing. I think the, the, uh, the organization as a whole needs right-handed defensemen anyway. Yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, aside from Golabev, I mean, basically the only other guy that comes to mind at this point is as uh, a the guy they, they signed, uh, who's probably going to be playing with the Laval rocket Louis Belpedio, who was only has four NHL games. Uh, so yeah, they, they, they definitely could use the depth. And, you know, even at, even if we can see Kulak and Romanov play a little bit on the, on the right side as well, obviously Petrie and Savard are going to be the top two guys. But, yeah, it just, just offers them, uh, you know, a couple more bodies. And, and you know, yeah, obviously they, they like the depth.
0: Yeah, and, and the only way any of these uh, that, that got – well, the, the, only, the only way Goldberg sees any action is, that, I think, is that there's a ton of, of injuries in Montreal. So hopefully – Honestly, we don't see him <laughs> this year if he does end up signing because it's it's probably going to mean he uh he had some, we had some injuries, but it all it, it makes a lot of sense to add some right-handed depth in in Laval. Uh, there's there's, there's really no one else there. Right? They, they might end up adding some someone else too. And, and the thing is, is like when we're talking about Norlander potentially making the team, it's like people just forget about Chris Weinman, right? Like I, I really think like we've talked about it a lot here. I, I really think this that he might end up being one of the steals of uh of free agency. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is a situation where we just see one year Chris Wider in Montreal because I think he's going to surprise a lot. I don't think he's going to explode and have a crazy season, but I think he's going to show enough this year that a team next year in free agency is going to be able willing to offer him significantly more than maybe maybe not significantly, but like a good amount more than the minimum he signed for this year at 750k. So there's really no space on the team really, right? Because like Kulak is an ideal. Seventh defenseman, really, uh, and and if Whiteham can slot in next to Sharat potentially on that bottom pairing, or or with or even with Romanov and all that, there's just no space for players. So all you got to hope for is a strong camp from these guys, and uh, it just I don't I just don't think a lot of young players are going to make it this year. Just there's there's already so much so much depth on uh, on this Habs team, and really the last uh, player from the, that we mentioned from the quirky camp that I think is is worth mentioning because he's made the news for I mean I guess depending on your opinions on things things uh less than ideal reasons so it came out a few days ago maybe a week ago at this point that jesse elanen he said he wasn't gonna get vaccinated uh then earlier today uh it came out uh, i forget who reported on it that his reasons for it uh were that someone in his family had a uh, a, a bad reaction to uh to the vaccine uh now i don't, I don't want to call i mean necessarily anyone a liar but i mean in the world. I've had a lot of people give me reasons to not get the vaccine that turn out to not totally be the truth. So I don't know how true that statement is. And it only took a few hours for him to come out and say, you know what, actually, uh, I will get vaccinated. And uh, maybe he realized that this wasn't worth potentially losing his uh, his career over because they've announced that if, if if for any reason a player has to miss time and he hasn't doesn't have the vaccine, the team will be within their right to suspend him without pay. And look, Jesse Ilan, he's not just a nobody for the Canadians. He's, he's a fringe player. But if you look at the uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize, which is a great website, if you're a Habs fan, I'm sure you're aware of it. They just went through their top 25, under 25 for the Canadians. And he re- came in at, uh, at number eight, right? So he he's not nobody on the, on the depth chart for the Canadians. And he's definitely going to have an opportunity to, to play this year, maybe not in the big club, but, you know, and just yeah, yeah. you, you got to do it. You're
1: throwing your career away if you don't really. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) I don't know about throwing his career away, but but I mean, yeah, because they even said, you know, they weren't sure what to do with him. Uh, You know, there were some rumblings that that potentially if he didn't get vaccinated, maybe he'd be going back to to Europe uh, because it would have been complicated to have him in the lineup potentially for Laval. Um, and even, you know, at the beginning of rookie camp, when he, when he was with rookie camp, uh, you know, Rob Ramage, the director of player development mentioned that he was expecting you to have a couple of games, at least with the Habs at some point this season. So, you know, I mean, he had a great first year last season, uh, in North America uh, with Laval. So, I mean, you know, you definitely, I mean, he definitely wants to do that, right. He even played a game with the, with the Habs last season. So you know knowing that i i don't think he wants to you know mess with that especially if he knows he has the chance to potentially you know at some point make the jump to the to the half the no, roster no, for and, sure. you know?
0: and and i do think it could affect his career i mean it's 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 just because like at the age he's at right now and where he stands on like he's he's a fringe player that's going to have to work hard and is going to have to show a lot of promise to to, to eventually make it to the nhl you, you can't afford to miss too much time at this point in your career, if you're that type of player, like how many players have we seen over the years being in the same, a similar type of position, position and Jesse Elon and unfortunately get one bad injury and all of a sudden they get passed on, on the depth charts. And, and that's that you never hear from him again. So I really do think that he couldn't afford it. He really couldn't. I, th- th- this is a very important year for him and moving forward. And it's, I'm, I'm glad he decided to make, I mean, regardless of the politics around it, I mean, for his career, it's absolutely the correct decision.
1: No, that's true. I mean, uh, no, that it, it is a good point. I mean, if he were to head back to Europe, I mean, you know, Laval's going to have a really good year or uh, a really good team this year. I mean, you know, if, if he's over there, some of the guys that are here, you know, are yeah. going to take that spot when injuries come and, you know, potentially leapfrog him moving forward. So, you know, he's got guys breathing down his neck like Rafael Hervé Pinard and, you know, other guys like Jan yeah, Mysack and Joel Teasdale so yeah i mean you know if, if if this is his shot to potentially make the jump then uh, i'm sure he doesn't want to uh, he I, I know i wouldn't want to mess around with it that's for sure no exactly exactly i mean
0: and, and i know that they don't make nhl money in the ahl but they still make a, a solid paycheck right so you don't want to be getting suspended and uh, not getting paid and all that so i mean I'm, I'm just happy to hear that we don't need to hear about this anymore when it when it comes to watching the canadians you know because we heard about it in uh, in detroit and now that's the big one in Detroit. It's uh, what's his name? Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi. And Detroit's not a very good team, but that's one of their better players, and a player they probably want to build around moving forward. So, uh, having that type of name, uh, you just don't want to have to deal with that, you know. Like regardless of how you feel about it, it's just it, you don't want to have to deal with with that type of stuff in the news with one of your big players for
1: sure. No, for sure, it's it's gonna you know it would definitely make make uh, make life complicated for the team. You know, Tyler Bertuzzi, obviously with Detroit, you know, the, I mean, from what I understand, he's not, he wouldn't be able to cross the border to play exactly. Canadian teams. You know, I don't know how that would work for Yelonen, but I mean, it's, I mean, it I would mean, just it be, be, be the same thing. A lot of headaches. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, well, I don't know if he's from Canada. I don't know. Who knows how exactly how it will work, but it's, yeah. it's obviously pretty complicated. And, you know, uh, you have uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets, you have Zach Ronaldo who refuses to take the the vaccine. And, uh, you know, their president, John Davidson, said that, uh, you know, if, if he doesn't want to take the vaccine, then he's not going to make the team. So, you know, I, I mean, d- different teams are, are reacting to it differently. But of course, uh, it's, it's, it's just one headache less for the Habs and, and one distraction less. So so for that's sure. good
0: news. Exactly. And, uh, so, so moving to what was happening today, like I mentioned at the beginning is, uh, uh, it was, so they were live on Twitch actually, which I'd love the Canadians are doing that right now. So it was, uh, hosted by, uh, Mark Zumal, who's been on the podcast before, uh, really has been a great addition to the Montreal Canadiens media team, uh, the, his interviews and all that. They're, they're, they're a great watch if you, if you can catch them on, on YouTube and when he's doing, uh, the, the, the Twitch stream. And so basically they were going, they're doing the pictures today, uh, and, uh, those kind of like action shots. And when, when you're at the bell center, they score a goal, like let's say Suzuki scores a goal. And then they, they have those they, they look so ridiculous, you know, with this, they zoom in on them and they, it's a goal by Suzuki and all that. So they they were taking those pictures and then the players would sit down with, uh, Zuma afterwards. And, uh, they would, uh, they, they would, he would ask them, come, like, obviously it's for the Canadians, So it's cookie cutter questions, but it's still, still pretty, uh, pretty interesting. But the main thing to come out of it is that you can see in the background when the players are getting their pictures taken and they were in full gear, uh, and two notable players, uh, which is uh, Nick Suzuki and Tyler Toffoli, were seen with uh, an A on their jersey in the background. So there's no official announcement. It's just uh, the, the people on Twitch zoomed in on their screens and could
1: see it. So yeah, I mean uh, that's choices? that's definitely definitely exciting news. I mean Tyler Toffoli, I think we saw last season you know, how much he meant to the team. Um, You know, I mean, obviously just with the goals that he scored, 29 goals, I think last season and, and, you know, in the playoffs, you could see, you know, especially playing with young guys like Suzuki, he's played with Caulfield, seemed to build a great relationship with them and and sort of took them under his wing. I mean, that's that's what you want to see. Uh, I mean, I I think Suzuki maybe is a bit of a surprise, but I mean, obviously he's going to be a massive piece for the Canadians moving forward.
0: Yeah.
1: So, you know, you love to see that and love to see the Habs. Have have you know are putting the faith in him? Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, it I love a bit surprising, ends.
0: but yeah. like on Toffoli, it's not too surprising. I think it makes a lot of sense. He signed for a few more years. Already has that veteran presence, and he played through injuries in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, I think I think it's it's a pretty easy choice to to put the on on Toffoli. On Suzuki, you never know. It just shows how much like. Because people we, we we've talked about it here with with Kotkinami in the past how they don't show trust in young players but Suzuki is the proof that they do if the the players earn that trust right that, that from the as soon as Suzuki joined the team he showed that he that the, the team can see that they can trust him in, in those big situations they can trust him as a leader and all that and and for him at such a young age to already have an A on this jersey is I I, I love seeing it now I, I'm sure there's going to be probably a rotation it doesn't mean that those guys are going to have an a every every game because what's happening is that there's this year there's not going to be a captain right because shea weber um unfortunately who can't play for the, for the whole year they're not going to name a replacement this year which is not surprising so what they have done in the past maybe they'll do again is they'll, they'll have a rotation at home on the road uh assistant captains and they'll probably end up having three instead of two since there's no captain uh, things like that so we might see more players with an a obviously petrie gallagher and, and byron when, when he's playing will continue to to have one uh, too but um i mean i i love seeing suzuki with that a i think i mean who knows maybe one of the sooner rather than later he's gonna be wearing the c
1: no exactly i mean and and like you said i mean it, it just shows all the confidence that the habs have in nick suzuki and and you know i mean they they're, they're the Habs get a lot of flack, you know, on on Twitter and, and in the media and everywhere else for not giving young guys a shot. And, you know, I mean, everybody likes to reference Kakenyemi, but, you know, Suzuki was in the same boat two seasons ago and, and Kakenyemi would have, you know, even been uh, been been ahead of him on the depth chart. And, and Suzuki proved that he deserved the shot. He yeah. took every opportunity. He earned every opportunity that he got. And, and you know, I mean, the, the Habs with Suzuki showed that, if a player really seizes the opportunity and and shows that he deserves to be there, he's going to get the opportunities. Absolutely.
0: And he made the whole, having Suzuki really made the whole Kakenami situation that much easier too, right? It it made it a much easier uh, pill to swallow because if Suzuki wasn't a part of the Montreal Canadiens, well, first of all, they don't go on to run to the finals. I mean, he was uh, arguably the best player in, the, in, in that final. So, uh, But Kotkaniemi hold the whole situation that happened before. Like, Picture a, a world where Suzuki hasn't blown up the way he has, and then all of a sudden the Canadians are using, losing their young center drafted third overall. I think it would have been a much, much, much bigger deal. But Suzuki makes that kind of okay. Everyone's like, okay, I mean, Kotkaniemi will miss you, but you know, replace you with Dvorak, and Suzuki's the future uh, number one center of this team anyway. So... It's just it, it, I that that trade I think I will forever be in like Even though Tatar is gone now, uh, to, to still have Suzuki in in the lineup, it's just it's just it's just fantastic. It's just the trade
1: that keeps on giving. For sure. I mean, they also got the you know the pick that got them Norlander for that. Exactly. That trade. So I mean, that's a pretty good trade. And yeah, I mean Suzuki obviously not just the 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 center of the future for the halves, but I mean he's the center of the present. So. And you know, he's going to be the the first line center for the next, you know, hopefully for the next decade, even longer. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. You know, we exactly. would have thought I, I, that about Kinemi, but anyway.
0: <laughs> exactly, and we say that so often. someone uh, posted a, p- a picture on the subreddit from a few seasons ago, and you can see like there's like Cut there's uh, there's Mete, there's there's a few other young guys that people thought were going to be the future of the team. And, and, and there was like five guys, and like the only guy that's still on the team that was in that picture is Ryan Paling. Yeah. Uh, and and you and you go back at, at threads talking about that picture from two years ago, and they're like, oh wow, the future of the team, the future of the team, you know. And for for a while, the future were guys like Gal- Galchenyuk and, and all that, you know. So, but hopefully this this time it actually sticks with. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he'll be amazing. I just hope we manage to hold on to it. I mean, he will be RFA like, can eventually too. So uh we really hope we we get to lock him down uh, long term but uh, for as far as the the interviews with Max go, like like I said like I love Max but obviously he still works for the Canadians so the interviews are they're fun you know they they're, they were good like I was had it been on in the background while I was watching uh while it was working but the one thing that was most interesting well, when he interviewed Paling first of all he looked huge Paling which is not new he's always been big but he made a he, he made some points about like he seems to have showed up to camp in excellent shape I, I really got the impression that he's he's ready to go for this camp. And we've talked about it before. If the, the, the one position that's up for grabs, if we talked about the depth for the Montreal Canadiens with the whole Kachanov thing. That, like it's it's abs- and even before Kachanov left, it's, it's the center position, the three and fourth line centers. And if Palin can grab that spot on the third line, I mean, uh, I that, that's that's what I want the most out of the camp coming up. I just want really want him to have a huge, huge, huge monster camp
1: no absolutely and it you know at this point it's it's his to lose but i'm like you would think it's kind of his to lose i mean obviously he's got some competition there you know we know nick suzuki's going to be the first center christian is going to be that second line center uh, but i mean if ryan palin can really step up and and really fill that role and and fill that potential that we that, you know that we saw from him and and that the haps on him when they when he got drafted in 2017 then that's definitely going to you know soften the blow of losing Cuck Oh, absolutely. You know, and and I mean, right now, like, who is he up against? He's based, you know, the, the other two options that you see right now for that, for those, well, cause obviously, I mean, there's two center spots, at least two center spots on the third yeah. and fourth line. You know, he's, he's up against Jake Evans and Cédric Paquette. Ryan Paling is definitely you know the guy that that you have to want to be in that spot because sure. obviously he offers a lot more offensive potential than than I mean I like I love Jake Evans we love Jake Evans on this podcast but he doesn't offer that much. Well, and, and the,
0: the thing with Evans is that I'd love to see him on the fourth line, which with wingers that would probably be Lekkinen and Armia, and I love that as a shutdown fourth line that has speed that can also score and, score some goals sometimes has size with Armia. I mean, that's a fantastic fourth line. You put Evans in between Hoffman and like Anderson. Th- that's just how I have it on my on my depth chart right now. But I mean, are are those wingers wingers that you want to see playing with a guy like Evans? Not necessarily. And that's the thing with Paling, too. If he grabs this opportunity, he's gonna get to make the NHL right away, playing with some high caliber wingers next to him. Like like who knows how it's gonna end up. But the way I we've talked about it before, the Foley Suzuki Caulfield line. You'd expect it to be how it is at the beginning of camp. Then with Dvorak, I would love seeing Dvorak because he's a playmaker. Dvorak is a goal scorer. And I don't think you necessarily want to see Dvorak with the young guy in in Paling because of defensive responsibilities and all that. And then Gallagher, you're probably not going to drop him too far down the depth chart. So then that's Hoffman and Anderson on either side of Paling. I mean, that has potential to be a very, very strong third line, but it all depends on if Paling can really step it
1: up. Absolutely. I mean, that's that, that would be so that's a solid third line right there. If Palin can step it up. And I mean, if he's playing with Hoffman and, and, and Anderson, I mean, that that gives him a lot of opportunity, you know, to, to really put up some solid points. He had a great year in Laval, he you did. know, before getting injured. I mean, he, you know, 25 points in 28 games. He he finally seemed to put it all together last last year before the injury. Uh, so, man, if, if he's in shape and he knows that this is his big opportunity to make the jump. Yeah. But, man, that, uh, you know, and, and if he does, that, that is going to give the Canadians three yeah. really solid lines that can like, score. And, man, even that fourth line, Lekkinen, Evans. I oh, mean, I love it. Even, even Mathieu Peru, Yoel Armia. No, it, exactly. That's the thing. And yeah. the
0: depth is still there. Like, I know a lot of Habs fans are bummed uh, that we lost Perry. And, and we are, too. Perry is fantastic for this team. But the depth is still there because if you're guys that are jumping into the lineup and keep us injuries, or if you're just making some swaps here and there, and Cedric Paquette and, and, and Mathieu Peirot, I mean, that's that's amazing. I mean, there's there's no guarantee that one of those two isn't in the opening, the lineup, and Jake Evans sh- showed so much promise. I mean, the, the depth is still there this year, absolutely. And it's down the middle at third line where there's the big question mark, but it's it's there for Peirot. And what I'm hoping is that he was he – was working out in the off season and he could see the, all the cut news coming out. And I, I hope that just motivated him. And he was going that much harder in his workouts and getting that much more ready for, for, for the season, because the, these players aren't dumb. Like they, they understand, they, they go on cat friendly, like we do. And they look at the depth chart, like we do. They, they, they try to make, they, they try to figure out where they fit on the team. Like we do. And he has to know that this is his opportunity. He, he has to. And there's really no excuse here. I would, I would expect him to show up in, in, in the best shape of his life and just to show us we, what he can do. And like you said, we saw flashes in Laval. He was fantastic in Laval last year, coming off the disappointment, because let's not forget that he did not play a single game in the, in the bubble, in the first like COVID bubble, and all the rumors about him showing up out of shape and maybe he didn't think a season was going to come. It really sounds like he, it's the kick in the ass he realized that he was going to lose his opportunity to make it in the NHL if he didn't figure it out right now. And his last year in the AHL seems to be what happened. He's the most ex- excited thing about the camp coming up. Like he, there's no excuse for him not to have a monster camp.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to get every opportunity. And even before, I mean, even before losing Kakinemi, Kuk- uh, when they lost Philip Dano, I mean that, yeah. that opened up a big spot for him. And then losing Kakinemi, I mean, obviously, you know, they, they, they went out and got Christian Dvorak, but you know, I mean, he's basically known all, you know, ever since that Philip Dano left, that he was going to have every opportunity to succeed, every every possibility to make this yeah. team. And you know, like you said, I mean, I think that you know what happened the, the season before in the in the bubble, hopefully was definitely a wake up call, and definitely seems to be a wake up call. And you know, I mean, it's it's his opportunity, man. His he he just has the season, and he's going to get every opportunity and every yeah. chance to do it. And like we've talked about it before, if there's one person. That
0: desperately wants him to earn his spot on the team, it's Mark Bergman. Because Mark Bergman now has another center that was drafted that ends up getting lost for nothing. People are ca- talking about, about how he should have drafted Kachuk and all that. Of so much of this gets forgotten if all of a sudden Ryan Paling comes in as the other big first round center. I mean, he wasn't top three, of course, Paling. He's still a first round guy. The big center that was supposed to be like one of the because to fill a need that's been a big need for the Montreal Canadiens organization for for decades. If Palin comes in and, and like and we're not talking about him having like let's 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 make things clear like we don't think he's going to come in and like get like sixty points. But if he comes in and be and he's an everyday player and he, can, he let's say he gets like 15-15, you know fifteen goals fifteen assists over the year on the third line. How quickly Kachanemi will be for, forgotten by the fan base, and, and that, that's just going to help Bergevin so much. So, there's you, this team wants Paling to make the team. You hope Paling wants to make the team. It's really up to him to to, yeah. to do what needs to be done.
1: No, absolutely. Like if he can put up thirty, forty points, um, you know, even if Kachanemi does have a gr- have a have a solid season, you know, I think I th- I mean it's it's definitely going to soften the blow, and and you know, I I don't think it's even going to be a discussion anymore. And you know he he has the opportunity here, and and I think he's the way that he progresses and the way that he can play this season. If he can really fill that role, it's going to make the biggest difference for the Canadians. Because if they don't have a a, third, a solid third line center, if Jake Evans is going to be relied upon to be the th- that third line center, you know they're not they're not really going to have three lines that can score. But if he can finally fill that role and fill his potential, then then the Canadians really could surprise a lot of teams this season. I, it, it's a tough division
0: <laughs> no, no matter what uh but uh i, I do think i do think it that can surprise I, I i don't disagree there uh for for sure and um i mean the last big thing to talk about now then is the joe DeRoy interview but actually before we move to that we might as well go to the the twitter question um i don't know if you're ready i have it up on my oh, computer
1: yeah. yeah no i have it here so okay. uh so we got a twitter question from uh from our regular twitter question guy on twitter uh Twitter question guy on Twitter. Anyway, Uh, Kevin Rogers at K.A. Rogers 77. Who do you think they will pair with Savard? I feel like they will try Sherrod first, but worry those two will have the same regular season struggles as Sherrod and Weber did last season. I heard they plan on playing Romanov on the left. Wouldn't he be better next to Savard? So, uh, I mean, I think we've touched on this before. Uh, You know, I, I mean, I definitely think Romanov is the ideal partner for Savard. Uh, you know, I mean, it, Romanov, obviously, you know, when when he can, has the opportunity to play a little bit more offensive, that's when he can really be at his best. And Savard, obviously, you know, he, he's going to be a stay at home defenseman. So I think they just complement each other so well. Um, but you know, it's, I mean, like Kevin said, I mean, I you do kind of get the sense that they probably yeah. will play Sherrod and Savard. Unfortunately, hopefully that's that's not the case because I definitely don't think that they complement each other very well.
0: No, definitely
1: uh, not. It's it's and, just I, I, yeah. You know, I mean, if if Sharad and Savard are playing together, then then your third pairing is you know probably Romanov and you know either Kulak or uh, or Weidman, which again is basically two two more offensive defensemen so that doesn't make sense doesn't but Sherrod yeah. you know and, uh, it, it really doesn't make any sense but Sherrod and Weidman I mean that could be a solid solid pairing again you have one offensive guy in Weidman and Sherrod that you know can stay back a little bit more on defense so yeah Romanov and uh, Romanov and Savard Sherrod and Weidman I think though that those pairings make a whole lot of sense and you know I mean Sherrod can can get his time you know he's going to be probably the biggest or one of the biggest guys on the peak on the pk so i mean he's still going to be able to go get his minutes even if he is playing third pairing minutes so hopefully that's what they end up doing
0: yeah i mean that's the hope and like you pretty much broke down everything but what kevin says it's basically it's how we feel too right it's you just get the feeling because in in the last since we did the the canadians signed Sherat, they've seen seem to see something in him that everyone else doesn't i mean and the thing with Ben Sherat too, is I honestly believe that if he was put in a in a role that is more suited to his skill set, playing less minutes, playing less big minutes specifically, he would do much better. Like, I don't think he's a bad defenseman. I just, like we've talked about so many times here, he's never been a guy that should be playing 22 to 25 minutes a game. And, the, the, and like, like we've, we've talked about this multiple times on, on the podcast, but it's what we see from this defense group what we hope to see from this defense group is kind of a similar situation as the forwards were last year and probably will be this year where there there is no like Peach will probably play the most minutes every every night but aside from that you almost want to see an equal des- distribution of minutes for for the rest of the defensemen right so there's no situation there's no like sheltering Romanov and besides when Romanov first came in they had so much faith in him they got to let him do his thing and then Really, you have Edmonds and Petrie probably playing the most minutes, but then Petrie playing a bit more because he's on the power play. But Romanov-Savard and Sherratt-Weidman, you basically play them the same amount of time, right? So it just makes so much more sense. I, I really, really hope that they do it that way. Uh, I mean, you play Sherat Chir- and Savard together on the PK, sure. Like, absolutely, I get that. That makes sense. But aside from that, I mean, you want to see... The split, you know, you want to see, because then the first pairing, got, you got Petrie, who can move the puck, and then you got Edmondson, who's more a stay-at-home guy. Then you got the, the Romanov, who move the puck, and then you have Wiedemann, who can move the puck. It's it, it's exactly what this team's been lacking over the last few years, and I feel like they can achieve it this year with the mix that they have. And I, I, just, I just really hope that they do it. I really, really hope that they do it, but like everyone else, I'm worried they, they won't. I think best case scenario, what we're going to see is get, they're going to start the games doing it this way and then we're going to get to the end of the games and and Savard and Sharott are going to be playing together to close out a game. Maybe that's how they do it, but uh, I don't know, like Give, give him yeah, another or a real chance, you know.
1: No, exactly. I mean, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, you know, I mean, you want to see, you know, he he has that offensive flair that, you know, and he hasn't necessarily been able to do well. He wasn't really he didn't really have much of an opportunity to use last season, but you know, when he he's obviously going to make mistakes. You know, we we saw that last season. Had, a, had some struggles, had, you know, had ups and downs. But, I mean, Savard would be the perfect, guy, perfect, perfect to, guy to help, you know, sort of mitigate some of those issues that he has defensively sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. I mean, obviously, I think, like everyone, we're, we're a little scared they're going to go Sherrod yeah. Savard. But hopefully, but hopefully. I,
0: I think the main reason we're worried and why, where I'm a little bit more optimistic is that we – we used to talk a lot about Romanov maybe playing with Weber, but I think where the team didn't want to do that is they still viewed Weber as the number one defenseman and they still wanted Weber playing those big minutes every night and they didn't feel like Romanov was ready to be playing as many minutes as, as, as Weber. And I, w- I would agree with that, that I wouldn't want Romanov playing that many minutes. I just thought that also Weber shouldn't be playing that many minutes. Where I think it's different here when we're talking about Savard playing with with Romanov, with Romanov instead of Weber is I don't think the team is expecting Savard to play 25 to, to plus minutes uh, every game. So maybe for them, it's going to make a little bit more sense to have Romanov uh, next to him. So hopefully that's how it goes. And actually, I wanted to talk about a little bit. There was an article that came out today about David Savard in uh, La Presse. It is a French article, but uh, uh, great, great re- read. And the title of the article tells you pretty much everything you want to know about Savard. It's L'équipe et rien d'autre, which translates to the team and nothing else. And it just goes on in stories of him in junior and all that and where he was always about the team first uh, and, and just a great leader and all that and, and all, all the types of things you want to hear as as the, you know, Weber replacement. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be as good a leader as arguably the best leader in the NHL, but uh, he's still going to add to the locker room presence and exactly, exactly the top, type of guy you want mentoring Romanov. So just do it. Just do it. Please just do it, Deshaun. Please.
1: Yeah, no, hopefully, and and you know, I mean, uh, you know, Duchamp is is gonna have his training camp here. He he has his contract. He knows it's his team, yeah. you know for, for the next couple of seasons. So, you know, I I think last year he kind of seemed like Julien 2.0, at least, sure. especially at the beginning. But you know, I I think hopefully this season he's gonna make this team and shape this team into his own. Yeah, and and you know, have it have. That you know an exciting team like he did that that offensive flair that he that he had when he was with halifax that's that, that's that's a great
0: point, like I mentioned paling being the most exciting thing about camp, but maybe I forgot Duschauun, maybe Jaschauun is the most exciting thing about this
1: camp uh, i mean yeah I, I, hopefully hopefully that's what we're gonna see um you know, I mean obviously they have made the finals last year, but you know i think uh, I, I think you know they if he can make this and he has. A lot of offensive tools this season. I mean, really. I mean, three lines that can really yeah, score. Even that fourth sure. line can can put up some goals. So, I mean, he he's got the tools. You know, I mean, everybody seems to think the Habs regress, but I mean, I I definitely think I think their their lineup is stronger than the well, team that I, lost in
0: the finals. I don't think necessarily that
1: it's the, the the the
0: team that people think the Habs regressed. I mean, I do think there's some people in media that maybe overate what Weber uh, you, was providing to the team at, at this point in his uh, <laughs> career. But I think that the biggest thing is that their division, I think we can all recognize is much stronger than it was last year. I mean, I don't think the Canadian division was as weak as people made it out to be, but the division the Canadians are in right now is arguably the best division in, uh, in the NHL. And really uh, y- you look at it, there's, there's really not, not a lot of, uh, of space to make it. And, a lot of everyone is seeing the Habs as the fifth team uh, uh, and which would mean they would probably miss the playoffs because generally speaking, the top four teams in each division make it. So well, we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a division that's going to be fought uh, tooth and nail, but um, we'll see how it goes. But spe- speaking of Ducharme, and the offensive weapons, I mean, I think the one that a lot of Habs fans are most excited to see and he has a I- history with Ducharme, is Jonathan Dwayne. So obviously, Dewayne, we all know, uh, left in the middle of the season uh, last year for for personal reasons. We never really got an official word. It was a lot of speculation, and unfortunately, people making up rumors uh, and uh, and all that type of stuff. But he finally uh, did an interview with the uh, Chantal Maccabi and RDS to uh, to talk about but what it was. And, and we've talked about it here before. It, w- it was the most kind of like logical uh, explanation and some of the rumors we were hearing is it, it was ex- essentially he was suffering from anxiety. And, and actually he also mentioned serious insomnia. So definitely things that can greatly uh, affect your, uh, your playing ability. And it's just, I- I've loved seeing the outpouring of support he's received from not just from like, like people from the Canadians and all, but people from outside of the organization uh, you saw even Max Domi, former Hab giving him support on Twitter. You're seeing a lot of other NHL players giving him support. So it's great to see. And he seems to be ready to go. I mean, he posted a video with Caulfield, and they were just joking around. He seems to be in a better headspace. And, I mean, look, we, we, we talk about this every offseason, that we were excited to see what Joe, Joe DeJoy can do. But if he's figured this out, you know, and he, he's coming into the season in a better headspace, it could really, really end up being a huge, a huge addition for the Canadians.
1: No, for sure. I mean, like you know, ho- hopefully he he's put that behind him. Hopefully he's doing a lot better now, and and you know he's he he doesn't have to deal with those issues anymore. Um, yeah, I mean it, he definitely seems to be you know in in great spirits. He seems to be in a great headspace, and you know I mean I think hopefully this season. I mean like you know the the Habs obviously have a lot of additions. We're seeing Cole Caulfield's first se- first uh, first full season. You know, they they made some other additions like Dvorak and 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 Hoffman. You know, hopefully maybe he's not gonna be you know always necessarily in the spotlight all the time. Um, you know, there's also an, a a few other Quebec-born players on the team too, so he's not yeah. you know he's no longer like the guy that that all the media is gonna want to be after all the time, every single time. So hopefully that's gonna take a little bit of pressure off of him, um, and which I you know I think hopefully will will probably do a, a world of difference for him. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the most important thing is his health, and and you know, if he's ready to go, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a huge addition to the Habs, for sure. And what
0: what I loved hearing the most is he said he never wanted to leave Montreal, and I, I know you we talked about it on the podcast, and I think a lot of people felt the same way. We we didn't really think there was a scenario where we were ever going to see him back in uh, Habs uniform, and I, I'm very happy to say we were we were wrong about that. And it sounds like he never wanted to leave. And he specifically said he still gets butterflies playing in Montreal. This is where he wants to play. And it, it didn't have anything to do about he couldn't play in Montreal. It just had to do with his personal issues. And he just needed to deal with those. And hes I'm sure it's not something that you can just turn off. I mean, I'm sure he he's still going to be having to work on it constantly. But just to know that he never wanted to leave. He still wants to play for, for, for Montreal. And it's still living his dream doing it. And, I mean, it's just how can you not root for him? How can you not root for him? And it just what what a fantastic story would it be for 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 to have his, his his best season as a Montreal Canadian this year?
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you you have to be rooting for him for sure, you know. And and you know, at the, at the end of the day, you want guys that want to be here, and yeah. by all accounts, it seems like he definitely wants to be here. So, you know, it's I mean, he's he's definitely going to be hopefully going to be a great story this season, and hopefully he can bounce back and 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 have those those troubles behind him and. You know, hopefully he's going to have a great season and
0: yeah. and and like the the anxiety stuff i mean i think some people have a hard time wrapping their head around it if you're not someone someone that suffers from it you don't really understand how it can affect uh your athletic ability and all that but i mean something that might be a bit more understand for uh, like easy to understand for people i mean he said he suffered from such severe insomnia that he would go up to three nights in a row not getting any sleep and then have to go play back-to-back games i mean that would obviously affect your, 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 play. And it would, it would affect, it would seemingly like, it would make it seem like you're not trying on the ice. Cause you're just exhausted. Right. Uh, and, and maybe like, we wouldn't understand why is he exhausted? Right. Like the game just started and all that. So it, it, it explains a lot of things for, uh, for, for the And we uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's the perfect opportunity to, for him to succeed to his former junior coach. Potentially playing on the guy on a line with guys like Dvorak and Galli, which I really think are guys that complement his style of play perfectly. Maybe you swap Galli and Anderson. I, I don't know, but the point is he's gonna have some players to play with that are gonna be a, a great complement to his his play style. And I, ju, I I just can't I just can't wait to see him this year. And I I really really hope for the best. I mean, I just because I mean he didn't really didn't score a lot of goals last year. If we can just see him score, you know, maybe like fifteen goals this year, I'll be happy.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and I think he's, he's in a pretty good position. He's not going to be relied upon too heavily and, you know, hopefully he, I mean, it seems, seems like he got the help that he needed and, and, you know, it, it's going to be a fresh start for him.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's worth mentioning too. He in no way was required to give this interview, you know, like he, 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 a lot of, I think a lot of people would have just said that they didn't want to address it. They would have asked media not to ask him about it. And uh, it would have been that we've been, would have been wondering, uh, forever about and just being in rumors and everything. So, uh I, I, to me it shows it says a lot that he wanted to have that interview. He he wanted to put the spotlight right back on himself, you know, which is obviously what this uh interview did. And he understands that he still has a ton of people looking at him in the province of Quebec as, as being like the leader of of, uh, of of the who could be the leader of the Montreal Canadians. Like we understand that he's not Maybe the top guy, you know, that he's been surpassed by guys like Suzuki and uh, and Caulfield and, and as, as offensive weapons. But for a lot of people in Quebec, the, the French-Canadian thing is extremely important. I mean, let's just think back at David D'Arnais, who was never an elite player in the NHL. But, like, you would see clips of him visiting places... Uh, that are entirely French and he'd be the guy signing the most autographs right because he, he in that town at that time he was the hero right so it's just it, it, there is a, a an extra amount of pressure that becomes of being the French Canadian kind of star of uh of the Habs but I mean there's also a potential for a lot of glory that can come with it too so we'll see if he gets to achieve it but uh I mean a lot of a lot of cool storylines to look forward to with this season for sure
1: yeah, uh, definitely. And it all gets started tomorrow with the, uh, with, you know, the main training camp, definitely looking forward to it. And I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're playing uh, the, I mean, obviously it's only preseason, but their first games on Saturday. So again, against the Leafs, no less. So definitely looking forward to that. I, I honestly didn't
0: realize it was already the actually That's, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, can't wait for it for sure. I mean, that's going to be. Uh, I just camp is always so much fun, right? You, you get to see some players that you, you've never seen play and all that. So we're obviously going to have a lot more to talk about uh, next week after a few games, a few preseason games, and some preseason action. So as always, I think that's it for today. But thank you for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. And also, before we go, go on Twitter at the Haves Forum. Tell us what you think. Like if you're watching camp, if if you're if you're watching the preseason games. Who stands out to you? Who would you like to see more out of? Who are you hoping breaks into the team? Or any any sort of question you may have. So at the Habs Forum. And we, we love addressing your questions here on the podcast. So once again, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.